You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Uh, tonight, the fruit of the Spirit, and we have been uh, talking uh, for some time about that which the Spirit produces in us, the fruit of the Spirit. We had the works of the flesh that we were to leave behind. As always, let's read the uh, greater context, Galatians 5, 16 to 23. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So we as Christians living by the Spirit, we have much to leave behind. All the ways of the flesh, uh, that which the flesh desires, uh, that which the carnal mind pursues, that which are ours uh, before Christ in entirety. And now that we're in Christ, uh, those things are, which are partially with us at times that we need to fight against, that we need to overcome. Uh, these uh, things that we saw that we were to deny. Uh, the sexual self-control that so many lack. The false religions, idolatry and sorcery. The bad temper. And these things really go contrary exactly to the nice lesson on kindness and patience. They are enmity, strife. Jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, and dissensions. These things are exactly contrary to the patience and kindness and goodness that we are to have. So we had the other things of the works of the flesh as well, uh, in bad relationships, in bad temper, in the other things that would disqualify us from the kingdom of God. But we replace those. Uh, now, again, it's a battle to replace them. It, it doesn't come easily. Uh, we've looked at the word several times that the Westminster Confession of Faith has on sanctification. The sanctification that we're to pursue is throughout the whole man, yet imperfect in this life. There abideth still some remnants of corruption in every part. Whence arises continual and irreconcilable war, the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So some remnants of corruption often remain within us, and there's a war as to which we'll win at each particular moment, at each particular day. In the book of James, we had the same thing taught as that confession summarized when James told us about controlling the tongue. And since tonight we're talking about patience, lack of control of the tongue is one of the obvious signs of an impatient attitude. And that's how we often display our impatience. We display it with uh, uh, the the bitter tongue, the biting tongue, the insult, 
Uh, of course, we also have the, you know, the, the huffing, the puffing, the rolling of the eye, the tossing of our head, and other nonverbal clues to let people know we're being patient. And, and somebody says, well, hold your horses, just be patient. And somebody says, well, I didn't say anything. No, <laughs> you didn't say anything. You didn't have to. You communicated quite well without it. But James talks about control of the tongue. It's a restless evil, he says. It's full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Father and we curse men. And usually we do that out of impatience. Now, there's other reasons we curse people too. But most generally, it's just out of simple impatience. Uh, we, those, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God, James 3.9. So, James 3.10, from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, such things ought not to be. That's the moral ought. Uh, that's the uh, obligation that we have. Uh, that's uh, the aspiration that we want to obtain to. But we note that it ought not be. And he says that because it so often is. He asked, does a fountain send out of the same opening both bitter and fresh water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? Or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. And so here we are. We've got the Spirit's production trying to take over. We've got the Spirit's production that, that uh, we want to show in our life. Uh, when it comes to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, who's against it? Well, none of us are against it. There's no law against any of it. And uh, there's no, uh, usually, a, there's no desire uh, in our hearts not to have it. Uh, but even though there's no law against it, and even though we would agree in our spirit it's it's good for us, we just so often don't completely follow through. And now, we should. Uh, this was Paul to the Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 We should always give thanks to God for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit. It was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sanctification of the Spirit by, and faith in the truth, these are the things Paul said, these are the way of salvation. This is what the gospel has called you to. So we need these qualities. Now, last time we looked at some that were inward. Love, joy, and peace. Now, those things will obviously have manifestations uh, people will see, uh, Jesus said, the world would know you by your love for one another. Uh, so there's obviously manifestations of the inward, of love, joy, and peace, but those are primarily inward. But then they grow and produce fruit. Well, now we have the things that are outward. Uh, these things certainly result from what's inward, but they're displayed in an outward manner. Patience kindness, and goodness. And so these things are primarily outward-facing. The others were first, and I think primarily, inward-facing. These are going to be outward-facing. Now, very often, very often, we talk about things that are outward and outward-facing. We do it in a context of warnings about hypocrisy, being one kind of thing on the outside and another kind of thing on the inside. But here, in this section, with these things of outward, patience, kindness, goodness, we are commending them on the outside. But they won't be on the outside 
they won't be there in truth and probably won't even be there at all if they're not fully on the inside. And so uh, this, these, are, these are inward things, but they are primarily going to be displayed and they're going to be seen outwardly. And again, we think about that little bit of the works of the flesh we took time to note where we saw these things that are the exact opposite of patience, kindness, and goodness. They were enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, and dissensions. And so those were outward-facing things. Now, it revealed a terrible heart, a malice, a selfishness, uh, other very negative qualities. But they were primarily things directed outwardly. So here we are outwardly directing again, uh, and we need to have this outward show. Again, they show outwardly, revealing what's in. Uh, not that they're isolated or done in a hypo, uh, hypocritical way, but it needs to be, it really needs to be shown toward others. You can't say you have patience. You can't say you're kind, and you can't say you're good without it being in relation to others. Because how else would you show it? And so it's a very outward-facing thing, and we need to get this outward right so that people may see some fruit of our, our uh, faith that is in Christ. Now, we have three of these. Tonight, we're going to take patience. I'd originally thought maybe we'll take all three at once, but then I saw how much material there was, and I didn't want to test your patience. Okay, I, It was just too much. I do think we'll take... Uh, kindness and and goodness um, uh, probably uh, together. I think we'll take kindness and goodness because there's so much overlap, uh, just even in the definitions of those words in English, but there's so much overlap. We'll take kindness and goodness together, Lord willing, in our next study. But tonight, we'll do patience. Now, if you're a King James reader or you have your new King James, you won't have the word patience. You'll have the word long-suffering the word long-suffering. Now, in nearly every other English translation, the last I checked, everyone that anybody uses, unless there's been a new one since I checked last, and with Bibles, it seems like, well, it's been a week, so maybe there's a new Bible. But in, in basically everything other than the King James and the New King James, we're going to have the word patience. And the King James, New King James, is going to have the word long-suffering. Um, reason for this is that the King James uh, uses the word uh, patience uh, when it deals with circumstance. When you're facing difficult circumstances, so outward pressures, maybe uh, in scriptures, persecution, uh, maybe things like uh, droughts, uh, judgments, uh, you know, the kind of things that God sends to destroy the crops, the locusts and the like, uh, when you're dealing with uh, persecutions, evil uh, evil that comes, it'll use the word, uh, in the King James, it'll use the word patience for that. But it'll use long-suffering here when it's talking about dealing with other people. Most other English translations, actually, they exactly reverse that. Uh, they reverse it so that uh, patience is for people and long-suffering is for things, but in the King James, long-suffering is for people, and patience is for things. 
And part of that is because we just don't have that automatic dictionary level distinction uh, in uh, our English vocabulary. Uh, we, uh, the Greeks had a word, and I'm probably not going to pronounce this uh, correctly, uh, but according to myself pronouncing uh, Greek lexicon, uh, mark, no, I already messed it up, macrothumia, macrothumia. And this was especially of patience with people not, re not regarding events or circumstances. And so events or circumstances, um, uh, we sometimes will use the word uh, perseverance. And we'll see that word in English sometimes. But we don't have two separate words for dealing with people uh, and dealing with, with hard times or, or, or bad, bad things. Uh, like they did in Greek. So this word in, in Greek, according to uh, the, the dictionaries of which I checked, uh, this is about dealing with people. It is uh, a, one who has a long or enduring temper, uh, one who acts leniently, and of course, patiently. We have a great word, you know, or compound word in English that's exactly the opposite of this. We have the word short-tempered. We all know the short-tempered guy. Well, this is the opposite. This is the long-tempered guy. But we, we don't have a compound word for long-tempered. We, we, we don't have that. Maybe we should. Uh, maybe we need it. Maybe it's just such a seldom seldomly used virtue that it doesn't come up, that we don't need to label it. Because I know a lot of short-tempered guys. I don't know a whole, whole lot of really long-tempered guys, people with self-restraint in the face of provocation, uh, people who could retaliate uh, or, or return evil for evil uh, quite easily, but make it a point not to. And so this patience in the scripture is associated often with the mercy of God and is a description that often is used of God. So here's a God-like quality that we are to take on. Now, our culture, neither with circumstance nor people, and it's gotten, seemed to have gotten, especially when it comes to people, especially in the political realm of anything of political or cultural conflict, gotten so much worse in the last uh, couple of decades. But we don't have a lot of patience. Uh, people, uh, they, they uh, want to get into conflict, and if there's a conflict, they want to own the other guy. They want to do a mic drop on him. Uh, they, they want to do something that uh, shuts them down. They want to do something that roasts them. They want to do, we got all this vocabulary uh, for uh, guys who are a, a very effective put-down artist. And again, this is all just completely contrary to this word and uh, of patience and how we deal with people. So our society does not reinforce this uh, good virtue. Uh, there's some of these other virtues at least society pays lip service to. But this one, society hardly does at all. And actually, uh, uh, most of us in society, outside of church and immediate members of family uh, who have, you know, uh, are, are with us closely and uh, have the right and the, the standing to call us down, most of us probably haven't been told to be patient, uh, you know, since we got out of school when our teachers were telling us that all the time. They're just not a societally reinforced uh, virtue, although 
it should be. So this uh, virtue is uh, very much a, uh, a virtue of God. And so we can think about these. These passages where God is described as patient from Exodus 34. The Lord passed by in front of Moses. He says, I am Jehovah, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. So God's self-description of himself is one who is slow to anger. Of course, in the book of Exodus, uh, we uh, usually think about God's pronouncing punishment on the children of Israel in the wilderness uh, and sending them to a 40-year exile, a 40-year march around the desert uh, until a new generation arose. But you think about the great number of provocations that God endured before that. And so through 10 times, uh, they, they acted terribly unfaithfully and ungrateful before God, who was slow to anger, finally was roused to anger. You know, slow to anger doesn't mean never angry. It means slow. It takes a while. But they, 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 they took all of it. So we think about this. Uh, in the New Testament, where that same quality of God is mentioned again in regard to our salvation, Romans 9.22. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so in order that he might make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Even us, see, we're the objects of the patience there. Even us, whom he called, not from the Jews only, but from among the Gentiles. So we could have been, and if God wanted to do it differently, and he'd be free and just to do so, I'm sure, wouldn't he? Uh, God could have made us uh, objects of uh, or vessels of uh, wrath and destruction. Plenty of reason to destroy us all. But he showed his great mercy. So out of what? Out of patience. With much patience. So, Romans 2, Why do you suppose, O man, when you pass judgment upon those who practice such things and do the things things yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. And so kindness, forbearance, and patience were God's in abundance. Peter would say in a brief form in 2 Peter 3, regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation. And when he comes back to destroy the world, uh, and he's taken a while to do it, as we know, realize it's not because he's slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So when we have a lesson on patience, we start with acknowledging that we are all the great recipients of God's wonderful, great, and almost amazingly infinite patience. No, it's not infinite. You can run through it. The wilderness generation proved it but you almost have to make an effort effort at it because we have a father who loves us, wants to save us, has done so much for us, and he's patient with us. Now, if God was so patient to us, then we've received his 
the uh, the benefit of his patience in salvation, what would we then expect is a requirement, is is a, is an ask of us. Well, he wants us then, I think, to be patient people too, and that's why patience is part of the fruit of the spirit. In everything of the fruit of the spirit, we're conforming ourselves more to God, and so we who have received such patience now need to show patience. And one of the first things we need patience in is patience on on waiting for God to do things. You know, how patient was God waiting for us? And then we turn around and we become impatient with him. Well, just unseemly, unseemly, unfitting, unbecoming, yet here it is. And so Psalm 37 extols this virtue because many people don't have it. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. See, we, we see the wicked prosper and go, God, why, why does good things happen to bad people? Right? Yeah, I know oftentimes we have the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Of course, if you look at it, maybe we all weren't so good. But no, the other thing that bothers us, and we go, Lord, how come? Lord, how long? Lord, what about this? Why is that wicked guy doing so well? Why are good things happening to bad people? God is patient. God is patient. He might be working a long-term plan to bring that fellow and his whole family to repentance. He might be using that man and his wealth that he's currently storing up by wickedness. He might be using that to bless the next generation of the righteous. We don't know what God's doing. Just rest in the Lord and be patient on him, uh, for him and his doing. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. What if the singer here of this song would have given up on the Lord the day before the Lord answered? He'd waited patiently for a while, but not long enough. What a sad thing that would be. And we need to not lose heart uh, as we wait. Uh, we think about this uh, instruction was given regarding prayer in Luke 18. Jesus was telling them this parable. It's the parable of the importune widow. Now he was telling them this parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Losing heart, that is the opposite of patience. We need to be patient very much with God and what God is doing. God accomplishes his work in his way, on his time. And he has greater resources, and he has greater appreciation of time. He has greater uh, power in all things than I do. And so we need to be patient when it comes to God. And over in the book of James, and we don't always recognize it right off because we have to read down several verses to get the full context. But there's a famous instruction, and it is good life advice. And we often just read one piece of it, but we use it as if it were life advice and nothing but. Now, again, it's good life advice. Probably all do well to heed it as life advice. But James 1.19, see if you don't recognize this. This you know, my beloved brethren. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And so how many times do we pull that verse out? When somebody's about to lose their lose their cool, they're about to blow their top, or they just did blow their top, 
And we'll remind them, you shouldn't have done that because we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Well, sometimes the nonsense we're hearing hardly was worth waiting for, and that's what made us so mad. But it's not just about hearing other people. It's not just about being uh, slow uh, to anger in general situations and trying situations of life, although that is, again, great life advice. But read the rest of the context. It says, For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, well, that would be anger and and short-temperedness, among others, but putting aside all these things that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted. The King James will say engrafted, which is able to save your soul. But prove yourself to be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. The real context of this instruction of be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger is about our response to God's word. Don't we know people, and haven't we seen it literally play out? Well, people will argue with you. You just read them a verse. You didn't even say anything about a verse yet, and they just start arguing with what the truth of the verse says. People get angry sometimes at God's word when it's contrary to their favorite doctrines, when it convicts them or chastises them, when it puts them in in, in a bad spot, people get angry at what God said. Now, they'll take it out on the messenger and act like it's the messenger's fault. But they will get mad at what God says, and they will speak out against what God said. And then they get, when they're angry and speaking out against God's word, what does it say? The angry man doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. The fellow arguing with Revelation is not going to get closer to God. He's not going to be on God's way. He's going to have to calm down. He's going to have to rethink. He's going to have to reset. And sometimes that's real hard. We get real defensive once we've taken a position. Sometimes no matter how silly or how wrong that position is, we still dig our heels in and say, I've done it. Take my stand here. Well, that's a stupid idea, but I guess you've done it. And we'll just have to wait it out till maybe you'll go on. But don't get angry at what God says. Receive with humility the word implanted or engrafted. Have the word implanted, planted deep, or grafted into your heart. Have the word put in you and have room for it because you're humble enough to accept it. Prove yourself to be a doer of the word, not merely a hearer who deludes themselves. And so the first first thing we need to do in our patience is be patient with God. Again, God has been patient with us. We return the favor as his beloved children, and we're patient with our Heavenly Father. And people say, well, of course we would be. Well, how will we not be patient with our Father? Again, have you seen fathers and children? I've seen an awful lot of impatient parents, and I've seen an awful lot of impatient children. Yeah, we all get impatient with each other. And does anything that's godly and good come out of any of that? No. But in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, He's been patient with us. We are to be patient with Him and His way. And just like our real fathers, our natural fathers, we'll probably find over and over, if we just waited long enough and had more wisdom and a little bit better sense about it, we find out there's a lot of wisdom in what they said. And we've been better off to follow it a lot earlier than we did. All right, now, 
we're patient with our Father. We're patient with God. We're also patient now with people. And again, this is the exact meaning of the word, patience with other people. First uh, Thessalonians 5, this instruction in the church. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with all men. See to it that no one returns to another evil for evil, but always seek after what's good for one another and for all men. Now notice the people in this passage. We've got brethren who are unruly. Doesn't that just gall you? Doesn't that just set your teeth on edge? Unruly brethren, people acting unbecoming as a Christian. We got faint-hearted people. And don't those people get so tiring? They're always weak and they're always, you always got to help them along and you got to always act with kid gloves and you always got to be thinking about how they're going to take things because they're just not very strong. Then you got the weak. Oh my goodness, come on, would you stop being weak already, right? Get with the program, get up to speed, strengthen yourself. What's your problem? Oh, <laughs> be patient with all men. Yeah, even the unruly, even the faint-hearted, even the weak, all these types of people in the church that may be so easy to irritate us, that do things that slow the program down, that do things that we can so easily take care of this if y'all would just get with it, with the church members who have these problems. Be patient. But then right after that, we've just been told to be patient with everybody, and then it talks about evil for evil. Hold on. There's people out there doing evil to me. I won't stand for that. Oh, I've got to be patient even with those guys. Yeah. Never pay back evil for evil. Always seek what's good for all. Right? Exactly the same words as Romans 12, where we're told as much as, it, as possible, as much as it depends on us, be at peace with everybody. You'll, you'll have a lot better chance at peace with everybody Peace with a lot of folks, if you're patient with them. If you're patient with them. And then, what do we normally note about human relationships? It really is the extraordinary person, which we're to be, who follow the golden rule, who proactively treat other people the way we want to be treated. That really will mark us off as separate from the world. Most people in most relationships in the world, they follow the rule of reflection, they don't follow the golden rule. They follow the rule of the mirror. Whatever is shown to them, that's how they're going to be. If you're rude to people, they'll be rude back. If you're short and sharp with people, they'll turn that back on you. But if you're kind and patient to people, guess what they are a whole lot more likely to be? All right? They're going to be patient with you. So if you want to see patience and kindness, show it first. Show it first and let that be reflected back at you. They may not be doing it out of a great sense of morality and duty. They'll just do it out of a natural sense of, of fairness, uh, uh, a natural uh, reciprocation, which we'd largely follow in this world. Yeah, there's some folks, they're going to be mean no matter what. But most folks will treat you like you treat them. Be patient with people, and you'll find they'll be so much more patient with you. All right, now. We're going to be patient with God. We're going to be patient with people. Other verses talk about perseverance and, and bad circumstances, things like that. But this is a people passage tonight. So how are we going to get that kind of patience? Well, I just mentioned 
do the extraordinary, follow the golden rule. It really will mark you off as way different than most folks. Follow the golden rule. Just treat them like you want to be treated. And if you do this, you're following the example of Christ. Here's the example of Christ in regarding patience. 1 Timothy 1, 15. The Apostle Paul speaking of his conversion. It's a trustworthy statement deserving a full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, among whom I'm foremost, or I'm chief. And yet for this reason I found mercy, in order that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. His perfect patience. Think about what the Lord patiently put up with from the Apostle Paul as the Apostle Paul uh, struck at him, struck at his body, struck at the ones he died for. He did so much to the people that Jesus so loved. But God was patient with him. Jesus showed him perfect patience, even putting him into service. And he did that not just for Paul's benefit, although boy did Paul benefit, but he did that for the benefit of all of us that we might know we serve a perfectly patient Savior and that we might in appreciation come to him. So he is our perfect example with his perfect patience. And so follow in the steps of Christ. Colossians 3, talking to Christians. As you've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is basically the list of the fruit of the Spirit in a slightly different form of words, in a slightly different way of presenting it. But Christians, holy and beloved, the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving with forgiving one another. Whoever has a complaint against one another, as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And so again, we follow the example of Christ in every one of the things here in the fruit of the Spirit, patience, surely, entirely. So be like Christ. Follow the lesson of Christ. Also, learn from Scripture. Uh, what's the whole Old Testament teaching us? It's teaching us about the things of Christ, that we might find the prophecies, and we might find the, the portents and the signs and the shadows, and that we might find so much of, of God's work, and we might find the true history of the human race and, and, and God's uh, part in who we are. But this as well, Romans 15, 4, whatsoever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. So perseverance. Learn from the scriptures. Hebrews 6, talking about Abraham waiting on the Lord. Having patiently waited, he obtained the promises. James said, look at the prophets. Is an example, brethren, of suffering and patience. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job. You've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. The Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. So, learn from Christ, learn from the whole body of Scripture, learn patience, and of course, pray. Pray for patience. You know, uh, one time the apostles uh, couldn't uh, heal uh, a fellow who uh, who was uh, uh, demon-possessed, 
And the Lord said, this, this one only comes out with, you know, prayer and fasting. You're going to need something, need some help here. But when it comes to the kind of patience we're to show, I'm going to need some prayer on that. I'm going to need to ask God's help. Uh, y'all know me. Y'all think I can do it by myself. I'm glad y'all are muted. <laughs> do you think I can? You don't have to answer. Uh, I think I can see some of y'all nodding through the screen. Uh, you think I can do this by myself? You th even with the help of the scripture, even knowing what Jesus did, this is something you got to pray for. As it says, Colossians 1, 11, Strengthen with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously give thanks to the Father. So Paul was praying what might be and what should be and the things we ought to seek to the obtaining of steadfastness and patience. Where is that going to be? In the same place, we joyously give thanks to the Father. And so the Christian race, uh, we know it's, it's going to be a long one. It's not going to be a sprint. Uh, the, the race is seldom to the quickest anyway. Uh, the, the race is to the one who endures. Uh, you know, the race is to the one. It's not to the swift. And the battle is not to the strong. It's to the one who has the help of the Lord. And so as we look at Jesus, think about what God's done for us, meditate on that. And uh, we also, uh, you know, we think about, uh, as we read several Psalms, uh, one of the parts of Scripture we might best go to for learning patience is those divine songs. Because on there you'll find complaints that, man, we'd almost be ashamed to utter, but people are uttering them and people are saying them. And it's recorded in Scripture, but it's also recorded there that God answered. And so... We can meditate on these things, and it's, it's been a common devotional practice of Christians since the beginning to help us learn patience and to deal with this world is to go to that divine songbook and, and see how uh, people uh, dealt with things and see how God helped them. And so we're going to develop that patience in that way. And so we'll see what God was so patient and long-suffering uh, with sinners, including us. Uh, for, that's the only reason we had a hope at all. Uh, we know he's very patient, even in, in, in the, the face of uh, people acting wrong, uh, like Paul persecuting the church. Sometimes persecution is going a long time. God is patient even when things like that happen to his people, because why? Well, he strengthens his people to it and through it, and his purpose is accomplished in them, but also he gives those people who were doing wrong a chance to do right and a chance to reconsider and, and a chance maybe even to be saved themselves. So again, what was the outcome of the Lord's dealings? We know the Lord is compassionate and gracious. One more from James. Is that was from James? James 5, 7 and through 9. Be patient, therefore, brethren, knowing the coming of the Lord until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until he gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Don't complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourself may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So be patient. Wait on the Lord. Don't turn on each other. Be patient with all men, especially the brethren, as Paul said to the Thessalonians, even when they're weak, even when they're faint, even when they're unruly, and together... Let's all try to find the righteousness of God, which is to the sanctification through the Spirit. 
Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.